Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. We've been exploring the central event in Christianity. In fact, I'd argue the central event in all history. Christ's resurrection from the dead. If you believe that the observable laws of nature are the only things operating in the universe then you're going to search for a naturalistic explanation of the claim that Jesus rose again. Last night, we looked at some of the more common of these explanations. Perhaps the disciples stole the body and lied about seeing him alive. Perhaps Jesus just got better in the tomb and convinced everyone he'd come back to life. Perhaps the disciples just saw a vision or experienced an hallucination. I'm sorry if you missed last night, but basically all of these explanations have serious, fatal flaws especially the first two. The reality is, most people do not believe that the observable laws of nature are the only things running the universe. Most Australians, that's 80.1% to be precise, believe there is a God behind the universe. As soon as you accept that, you've got to admit that if God wanted to raise someone from the dead, he could do it no problem, right? Regardless of the laws of nature as we understand them. You might be a bit sceptical about the claim of a resurrection, but your assumption about a God behind the laws of nature gives you the freedom to at least remain open about the resurrection of Jesus if the evidence points strongly enough in that direction. I want to start talking about that evidence then. Um, And then later in the week, I want to turn to the meaning of the resurrection, because it's important for us to know that the resurrection is not just an historical event. It's an event that changed history and can change lives here and now and forever. I want to focus on what historians regard as the most significant text in the New Testament about the resurrection. If you have a Bible handy, dust it off, turn up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, If you're not used to doing that, just use the contents page at the front of the book. Someone was paid good money to put that together, and it'll take you straight to 1 Corinthians. Um, If you're driving home, obviously, you know, don't look up your Bible while you're driving. In his letter to this newly founded church at Corinth in Greece, the Apostle Paul reminds his converts of the core message of Christianity. It's called the gospel. This is the gospel he preached to them just a few years earlier, um, in about AD 50. What Paul offers in this little reminder is not a full account of the message. It's just a kind of bullet point summary of the gospel. Actually, the verses I'm about to read you from 1 Corinthians 15 are regarded by scholars as the earliest creed in Christianity. Now, a creed is a pithy statement of what someone believes. It comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. Um, Some of you may have heard the Apostles' Creed, which is said to this day in Roman Catholic and Protestant churches all over the world. The Apostles' Creed comes from around the 3rd century AD. But the creed I want to read you from Paul's letter to the Corinthians was composed and handed on to the Apostle as early as AD 34. That's just a few years after Jesus' crucifixion. This is why scholars are so excited about it, because it's just the earliest piece of evidence we have. Paul and the other church leaders of the time used this creed as a summary of their gospel message. It was handed on to Christian communities as an official reminder of the founding message. Paul, in fact, describes it as something of first importance. Okay, so let me quote to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
verses 1 to 8. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Now here comes the creed. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. This statement is incredibly significant for historians for a couple of reasons. To begin with, part of it is a straightforward piece of eyewitness testimony. Paul says in verse 8, Jesus appeared to me also. Now, if you're going to reject the resurrection of Jesus, you've got to try and argue that someone like Paul is bald-faced lying about what he saw, that he gave up his social status, his career, his comfort, his freedom, and eventually his life for something he knew was a lie. Eyewitness testimony from someone who gained nothing but trouble from his testimony is pretty hard to take lightly. Just as important as the eyewitness nature of Paul's statement is the date of this creed which Paul quotes. According to mainstream scholars, this bullet point summary of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection and appearances was composed and passed on to Paul in the early to mid-30s AD. This is highly significant for historians because it proves beyond doubt that the news about the resurrection of Jesus came from the earliest stage of Christianity. It's not an extraneous belief inserted into the Gospels at a later time, as some have tried to argue over the years. It was the bedrock of the whole Jesus movement from the very beginning. Whatever our personal feelings about resurrections, and I reckon some of you listening might still be a little bit sceptical, there's no avoiding the historical conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus has always been at the core of what we call Christianity. Let me quote one of the leading British scholars in this field. This is James Dunn, who is Emeritus Professor of New Testament at the University of Durham. That belief about the resurrection seems to have been not only fundamental for Christianity as far back as we can trace, but also presuppositional and foundational. Any claims to disentangle a Jesus movement or form of Christianity which did not celebrate Jesus' resurrection inevitably have to assume what they are trying to prove, since all the data available were retained by churches which did celebrate his resurrection. As a historical statement, we can say quite firmly, no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus. Look, I know that's a bit of a nerdy quotation. It's not the sort of thing you're used to at 10 o'clock at night. Um, but what else can you expect from one of the world's leading New Testament experts? But what he means is simply this. The news of Christ's resurrection cannot have been a kind of legend that grew up over time, the way, say, the Santa Claus story developed or the stories about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. 
our official resurrection reports come from the very beginning. Anyone who argues that the resurrection was a myth or legend that evolved over time is running completely against the evidence. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.